0: it's another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy620 or you're listening to the podcast that can be found at investinghope.com, Google Play, iTunes, Podbeam, Spotify. Wherever podcasts are found, you can find this show. Today we got a lot to talk about. I will let you know that as the recording of this show, there has not been a decision released from the Supreme Court concerning Dobbs Uh, that we've talked about over, you know, the last few months that we specifically talked about the last two weeks with the leaked document from the Supreme Court. Uh, they, they did release, uh, some court decisions yesterday, so we're starting to see that. That's what they do in the summer. I anticipate, uh, the Dobbs decision probably being held off until June. Um, you know, they're, the Supreme Court, although they do not care about public opinion, they do, have a flair for the dramatic and so it it appears they what they typically do is hold the big cases uh those decisions off until the very last minute now we'll see they could surprise me but but that's what i think will happen so today what we're going to do is talk about a number of things that that are that's been in the news uh some things that happened over the weekend uh some some interviews that i listened to with uh, abortion doctors that uh that that had me had me scratching my head and also you know just very sad kind of the the mindset of of some folks and they interviewed uh pro abortion supporters now they called them pro choice supporters but they actually were interviewing abortion doctors abortion one of those abortion doctors uh actually calls Knoxville home and and uh, is retired but performed abortions here in Knoxville for a very 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 long time And it was interesting hearing the conversations and hearing their their opinions and seeing how they see the world. The the thing that stood out to me the most is the arguments that they make, especially one in particular. There was a male abortion doctor and his arguments were very similar to my arguments from a pro-life perspective. He just argues the same thing. Defending abortion, it's very odd. He said that he believes every uh, every abortion ends the life. He believes that. That's what he said. He believes that every abortion he provides does end a life of a human. He just says it's not up to me. He says I love children. And and the the abortion doctor said I love my children and I love all children that are born. Notice that caveat there. I love all children that are born. And then he said, it just isn't up to me. It's up to the woman. And so his belief system is he gets up every single day and performs a service that he knows takes the life of a human. He, he knows it does. He admitted as such. As much. And then he tries to justify it by saying it's not up to me, it's up to the woman. If you knew there was a person that got up every day and their job every single day. I mean, I'm just trying to get you into the mindset of of where our culture is. If, if you knew of a person that got up every single day and their job was to take the life of puppies that were in the womb of a dog, what do you think our culture would do? Oh, what do you do for a living? Well, actually, I, I get rid of puppies that are in the womb of, of animals, of dogs. And kittens, I mean, it doesn't matter. You name the animal, I get rid of their, their babies. What do you think the outcry would be? Well, there would certainly be an outcry. Yet, we have an abortion doctor that admits on a national interview, I believe every abortion ends a life. He said that. Yet, he gets up every single day and provides that service. And then he's upset now that, that Roe may be overturned. And, and in certain parts of the country, he may not be able to do that, he and others that do that for a living. Now, I will say, at least he was honest and admitted that he's seen, he has seen this coming. He's not surprised by the, the possible overturning of Roe. It was interesting, too, this abortion doctor said that we are going backwards. That was their argument. So I've been saying the last few weeks that, that abortion in and of itself and kind of where we are in our culture is in fact the dark ages. It's not progress. We, we like to think we're in a progressive society and progressives are the one fighting the hardest for abortion. Yet that's not progress. Progress is not ending the life of the most vulnerable in our society. That's not progress. Yet. These abortion doctors are saying, we're going backwards. We're going backwards. That's what they're saying. There was another abortion doctor they interviewed. She was an African-American uh, female. She's providing abortions in Atlanta, I believe. And she said the reason why she got into the work was because she was... Doing her residency in med school at a an abortion clinic might have been Planned Parenthood. And she said while she was doing that residency, the vast majority of the women that she saw come in the building looked like her, meaning they were African-American. And she said, I saw myself in them. I could just, her words, I could just have been, that could have been me. I just wasn't pregnant. But I was young, single. It could have been me. And, and she said, that was when I knew I need to go into this work to help people that look like me. Now, on, on the surface, some may say, what a, uh, what a wonderful thing she's doing. She's wanting to help her community. She's wanting to, to provide medical care to those that she believes needs it. But what she doesn't mention there is the, the founding of a place like Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger and eugenics and, and Margaret Sanger's belief that we need to rid society of the weeds. And, and Margaret Sanger believed that the weeds included the uh, the disabled, but also included minorities, also included African-Americans. That's what Margaret Sanger would have called the weeds of society. And so there is a reason why New York City... African-American women are aborting more than they're having children. So there's more abortions in New York City and the African-American community than there are births of babies. There's a reason why uh, abortion clinics are opening up in certain parts of our country. And so this lady said that she got into this work to help people that look like her. It breaks my heart to see that. And then this lady went further and she said that, you know, when when there's sidewalk counselors and what she would call protesters standing outside the abortion clinic that she works at. She said, you know, when I walk into that clinic, a lot of times they assume I'm a patient, not a doctor. She said, and it kind of insulates me. They don't really say much to me. They don't yell at me. They they're not mean to me. Because they think I'm a patient. Now, it was interesting that particular segment of the interview because what are we told? We're told that those that stand outside of abortion clinics are rude and hateful and trying to manipulate women and they're, they're mean and they're angry. But this doctor told us because these folks believe she's a patient, they're not mean to her. That's what she said. That's her words, not mine. But I thought that was an interesting perspective. And it was it was the the interviewer when when she heard her say that, when she heard this abortion doctor say that, the interviewer said, "Well, you know, the the folks that are standing outside those clinics believe that abortion ends the life of a human. And so what would your response to that be?" I mean, yeah, Many people say, I can't believe they're standing outside of abortion clinics. But if they believe that you're ending the life of humans, what what would you expect them to do? And this abortion doctor's answer was revealing. And I even put it in my phone because I wanted to get the quote right. She said, there is more to life than simply being alive think about that there is more to life than simply being alive so so this abortion doctor believes that uh, just being alive is not enough you got to be loved you got to be supported you got to have resources available to you so if you take this argument to its fullest extent any kid that's in state's custody any person that's homeless Any person that doesn't have people around them that love them, they should just be dead. That is her argument, not mine. But to say there is more to life than simply being alive is a nonsensical way of saying, hey, we should be able to abort babies. That's just the reality, and uh, that's just how it's going to be. It breaks my heart to hear those arguments, but those are the arguments that we need to be aware of that are out there. Uh, But the reality is, what, what I saw and what I heard in those interviews, they are struggling to defend that which they do every single day. They're struggling to defend it. Why? Because they know that it's ending the life of a human. We'll be back. So as we continue the conversation... Look, those interviews were interesting. I, you know, far be it for me to, to encourage you to go listen to someone else's podcast or show, but, uh, but it was interesting to hear the perspective from abortion doctors, uh, that believe that they are doing good work. Uh, what I also was, uh, what, what also was interesting was their, uh, inability to truly defend what they do, uh, and, and why is that? Why is it difficult? It's difficult because now, again, if, if Roe is overturned, the argument for for a very long time has been, hey, it's a woman's right. You know, it's a constitutional right. 1973, Roe v. Wade gave us the right. And so anytime you would have an, uh, a discussion with anyone and you would argue abortion is wrong or, or whatever, their ability to simply not defend their their point of view they would just simply be able to go hey it's a woman's right look at the case from 1973 and and so that was to the to to them that was the end of it hey we don't have to argue anymore i win the court decided uh you know you just are upset because the court decided if roe is overturned it's not as simple as uh it's not as simple as saying it's a woman's right because if Roe is overturned it's no longer we no longer look at the case of 1973 it now goes back to the states and so what's going to happen is we're as pro lifers going to have to defend why we believe there should be restrictions on abortion and those that are pro-abortion are going to have to defend why they believe abortion should be allowed up to nine months of pregnancy that's the reality And we really haven't had to have that conversation. Now, pro-lifers have been trying to have that conversation for a very long time. But again, that debate ends when people say the court decided. Whether we agree with the court decision or not, it makes it a lot more difficult to argue that opinion when you can end it by saying the court decided X, Y, or Z. Well, now you take that away and they're going to have to defend the ending of life up to 9 months the question is can they defend it uh, i think it's going to be difficult and i think we're already seeing how difficult that is another thing i want to i want to talk about over the weekend we had some interesting things happening here in uh in Knoxville and what happened in Knoxville over the weekend down on market square there was a protest uh, there were people with, uh, red paint on their, uh, faces and on their bellies, on their pants. There were people carrying around coat hangers with fake blood on it. There were people with signs. They were chanting things like F the church. They were chanting, uh, you know, things about Roe v. Wade and, uh, this didn't happen at night. This happened on the first day of of the farmer's market on Market Square. While families were enjoying themselves on a Saturday afternoon, while families were eating at outside establishments and enjoying their, uh, their time on a beautiful day in Knoxville, you had people marching around Market Square, screaming and yelling. And and getting in people's faces, surrounding people, uh, shouting obscenities. You know, it's interesting. I was on Saturday. We, my two little girls, uh, two of the three girls, had dance recitals at the University of Tennessee, and they were at the student union. So we had one recital that morning at ten thirty, and then. We had another one at five and so we were trying to figure out, I get, you know, what we were going to do in between the two recitals. And we thought we'll just enjoy a day in, in downtown Knoxville. So after the first recital, we're talking about, Hey, where are we going to eat lunch? And, uh, we're making our way to downtown and we're, we're right next to the sun sphere. And we're like, well, let's just go to market square. And then I get a text from a, a co-worker and she says, Hey, there's a, there's a lot of people down on Market Square. They're yelling obscenities and, uh, you know, it's very uncomfortable and we're trying to get out of here. And they had, they had little kids with them as well. And so I looked at my wife and I was like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't go to Market Square. Maybe not the, uh, the ideal scenario. Uh, and then I thought, because my coworker was kind of giving me a play by play, here's what they're saying, here's what they're doing. And they were attacking the church with their words. And I thought, what a what an interesting perspective. What a dichotomy we have here. Because as they're screaming and yelling and saying things like, F the church, as they're doing that, I mean, literally at the exact same time, they are yelling and, and screaming obscenities on a Saturday afternoon at Market Square. And, and at the very same time, they are attacking the church. There was a group of women from two churches in Knoxville inside the building of Hope Resource Center wrapping gifts for expectant moms for baby showers that we have coming up in the coming weeks. Think about that dichotomy. You have you have one group of people that are taking their Saturday afternoon to go and, and ruin everybody else's Saturday at Market Square. Because they're they're so angry that that uh, abortion may be taken away from them, and then you have a group of folks that are taking their Saturday afternoon to serve and love strangers they don't even know. So one group is seeking to make miserable strangers they don't know by by yelling obscenities and, and getting in their faces. And the other group is saying, I don't know who these car seats are going to go to. I don't know who these pack and plays are going to go to. But I care about them and I'm going to wrap these gifts for them. Now, you tell me, looking at those two scenarios, looking at those two pictures. Who's the extreme one? Which one would you say was pro-choice? Which one would you say was uh, a a group of folks that you would rather be connected with? That group at Market Square had signs and, and shirts on their little children. So they had little kids with them about six, seven years old. And they had shirts that said, future abortionist. One lady had a baby strapped to her chest. So she had a, a brand new baby that she was carrying with her as she is screaming for the right to abort. That's where we are. That, that we can't even allow ourselves to recognize life when it's right in front of us. That someone would, would have a newborn baby in their arms while they're screaming for the right to abort a baby. And the only difference between that newborn baby in their arms and the baby that was growing inside of them is just proximity. That baby that you're holding in your arms is the same baby that was growing in your stomach. It is the same thing. Same blood type. Same eye color. Same DNA. So if you believe it's progress and progressive to go and and yell obscenities in Market Square and ruin people's days, well, you're wrong. You're wrong. Look, even if if, if pro-lifers decided this weekend, hey, we're going to go to Market Square during the farmer's market and we're just going to start yelling at people because we are so adamantly opposed to to abortion. I would say no. Don't do that. There's better ways to have this discussion. Now now, granted the pro-lifers wouldn't be yelling obscenities. But if you're, if your goal is to persuade people. To come to your side. And to see where you're coming from. I don't know. Yelling obscenities and carrying coat hangers with fake blood on it. Probably not a good way to do that on a Saturday afternoon at around noon while families are just trying to enjoy themselves. but you do you. but I'll take that group of church uh, folks that that were wrapping gifts over that other group any day. We'll be back So as we continue the conversation, Look, I wanted to point out the, the difference that we saw over the weekend uh, because I think it's important as we continue down this path and as we have these conversations, uh, there is going to be a clear, clear difference between those that want to stand for life and those that want to stand for abortion. And I want to make a statement right now that uh, is is going to make some folks uncomfortable, and certainly some some uh, pro-abortionists uh, that that they're going to disagree. And I'm not going to say that that everybody that that is is for abortion or, or pro-choice. Uh, I'm not going to put this on on everybody in that camp, but a lot of what we're seeing right now. In these protests and in these marches and in these signs, a lot of what we're seeing is demonic. I mean, we got grown people putting fake blood on their face and on their stomachs and on their pants. We got grown people, you know, saying, hey, shout your abortion. We have grown people saying F the church. We have grown people, educated people saying rip that thing out if you find yourself pregnant. Yelling obscenities. Not engaging in a dialogue, not engaging in a debate, not looking to have a one-on-one conversation, but, but instead yelling with vitriol and anger because they believe that a right is being taken away from them. When in reality, if Roe is overturned, they can still get an abortion. Yeah, they may have to go to another state, but they can still get an abortion. Here's what I think is going to happen. If I may make a, um, a prediction so if Roe is overturned in the state of Tennessee, 30 days later, the trigger bill goes into effect. And what that does is pretty much outlaws abortion in the state of Tennessee. There's other states that have the the trigger bills. Uh, but at least in Tennessee, it'll be 30 days after the Roe uh, that Roe is overturned. So you're going to have states, uh, you know, conservative red states that, that are pro-life and are doing everything they can to restrict abortion. You're going to have states like Tennessee that for all intents and purposes, abortion is no longer available. And then you're going to have states like New York and California, and Illinois that that are going the other direction. So they're super blue states. They have abortion all the way up to nine months. They are going all in. They're they're using taxpayer dollars. They're called abortion sanctuaries. They they are all about abortion. Okay, so you're going to have those two uh, polar opposites. Conservative state like Tennessee, where abortion, for all intents and purposes, is outlawed. Uh, blue state, progressive state like New York, where you can get an abortion up to nine months. And then you're going to have states in the middle. You're going to have some states that go, look, we believe first trimester abortion is okay, so we're going to ban abortion, you know, after the first trimester. You're going to have some that say, look, we're even okay in the second trimester, uh, You know, so you're gonna have what you would call purple states. That's how we would see it in a political, uh, dynamic is we would say red state, blue state, purple state. Here's what I think's gonna happen. I think the abortion industry, they're not dumb. They, they wanna spend their money wisely. I think what they're gonna do is they're gonna focus on those purple states. Why? If, what's the point of focusing on the super blue progressive state? They don't need to focus anything there because the governors and the legislature legislators in those areas are already doing it for them. So in California, Governor Newsom is already making abortion available all the way up to nine months. In New York, the legislature is already making it available up to nine months. So, so why are they going to focus their resources there? And in the same way, the abortion industry is going to look at a state like Tennessee and say they have... Conservative pro-lifers have a supermajority. They have a conservative pro-life governor. Why are we going to waste our money in the state of Tennessee? There's no reason to do that. And so solid conservative states that are implementing restrictions on abortions, I think the abortion industry is going to go, look, we're just going to move on from those states. And what they're going to do is focus their resources, their time, their uh, uh, money in those purple states. They're going to look for ways to maybe build an abortion clinic right at the state line, but it's going to be in Illinois and not Missouri. I mean, you follow me there? They're going to put resources into mobile units that can meet people at the borders of their states. They're going to put resources in getting abortion pills in the homes and in the hands of people all across the country. That's going to be the focus. Look, you know, a lot of folks are acting as if, Oh, woe is me. We didn't see this coming. Give me a break. If you've been reading and paying attention to anything, the pro-abortion industry have seen the writing on the wall and they've been preparing for this day. Just like the pro-lifers have been preparing for this day. And so when Roe is overturned and and hear me folks, it's going to be overturned when it's overturned. That is what I believe will happen. We'll have some protests here and there in the state of Tennessee We'll, we'll certainly, if, if Roe is overturned, you'll, you'll see uh, things heat up for a moment. <clears throat> We've already seen some of that across the country. But the reality is the abortion industry is then going to look and say, okay, we need, to, we need to figure some things out. We need to focus our resources, our uh, engagement in places where it's going to matter. It's the same reason why, in a, in a red state, Planned Parenthood's not throwing a ton of money at a candidate that they know is going to lose. Well, why would they? It's a waste of time. Look, back when I worked in politics, I, I met with many candidates wanting me to come work for them. You know, to to run the campaign or work on the campaign, and and I I sat down with a number of folks that I enjoyed and liked and agreed with, and many of them I walked away going, they're not going to win. I know they're not going to win, so. Do I want to jump on a campaign that I know is not going to win? Now, sometimes you, you say yes to that because you just want to be a part of it. But when, as I had those conversations, I was thinking about my, my married life, like where are we at financially? Is that a campaign I want to jump on or not? But I was, I was strategically thinking, hey, does this candidate have a chance to win? And if I already know on the, on the, in the beginning that there's no way, they don't have the funds, they don't have the, uh, name recognition, they don't have the system in place, then, then what, was I gonna leave a secure position to go and do something that I didn't know if it would pan out? In the same way, the abortion industry is saying, why am I gonna spend millions of dollars when I know that candidate's not gonna win? Well, why would I spend millions of dollars in a state that I know is not going to change their mind on abortion? So I think you're going to have the the blue states that are that are solid abortion uh, proponents. And you're going to have red states that are solid anti-abortion proponents. And then you're going to have the purple states. And that's where a lot of the focus and research resources are going to go. Now, the interesting thing is as we think about Roe, we think about the, the leaked draft from Justice Alito, uh, the the most recent news that we have as of today is, is this. Politico released another article where they've talked with sources once again. It says, Supreme Court is set to gather, uh, this was last week, for the first time since the disclosure that it voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. And there's no sign that the court is changing course from issuing that ruling by the end of June. Justice Alito's sweeping and blunt draft majority opinion from February, overturning Roe, remains, listen to this, remains the court's only circulated draft in the pending Mississippi abortion case, Politico has learned. And none of the conservative justices who initially sided with Alito have, to date, switched their votes. No dissenting draft opinions have circulated from any justice, including the three liberals. That could explain why no second draft of Alito's majority opinion has been distributed, as typically the two sides react to one another's written arguments and recast their own. As the nine justices prepare for their scheduled private closed-door conference this week, they face one of the greatest crises in modern Supreme Court history. With an eternal leak investigation underway, an agitated nation focused on whether the constitutional right to abortion is about to be overturned and some justices facing angry protest at their homes. This is the most serious assault on the court, perhaps from within, that the Supreme Court's ever experienced, said one person close to the court's conservatives who spoke anonymously because of the sensitive nature of the court deliberations. It's an understatement to say they are heavily, heavily burdened by this. A second person close to the court said that the liberal justices are as shocked as anyone by the revelation. There are concerns for the integrity of the institution. The views are uniform. At the center of the storm is Chief Justice John Roberts, whose power over the court's decisions and operations has appeared to diminish, and the court has shifted rightward and become more polarized. In the Mississippi abortion case currently before the court, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, it's not clear if Roberts would join the liberal justices in the dissent, craft his own solo opinion in the case, or perhaps join a watered-down version of Alito's draft. We'll talk more about that when we come back. So as we finish up today, I want to I finish what Politico said. It says Roberts could still try to lobby one of the five Republican-appointed justices to withdraw their support from Alito and sign into a more centrist opinion that doesn't formally overturn Roe, but instead upholds Mississippi's 15-week cutoff for performing most abortions. Such a move would deprive Alito of a majority and could maintain some federal guarantee of abortion rights, although precisely what regulation states could impose on abortion under such a scenario remains murky. With their traditional summer break looming at the beginning of July, the justices have only about seven weeks to craft a potentially momentous decision on abortion, a process complicated, by Politico's publication of Alito's draft and by the flood of public criticism triggered by that surprise release. It's interesting, Politico is is talking as if they're not the ones that released it. I mean, they decided to release it. They didn't have to release it, but, um, you know, such is life. The court's conservatives had also abruptly become the focus of protests leading to some tense scenes outside their homes and concerns about potential security threats prompted the Supreme Court to deploy an imposing eight-foot-high black fence along the perimeter of the court's grounds last week. And Jen, uh, Jen Saki, the outgoing press secretary, White House press secretary, said President Joe Biden believes violence, threats, and intimidation have no place in political discourse, adding, We certainly allow for peaceful protests in a range of places in the country. None of it should violate the law. No one is suggesting that. Now, that's nonsense. I could spend a whole show on that. Uh, people should not be protesting out in front of other people's homes. I mean, Governor DeSantis in Florida has already signed a bill saying that that's not allowed in the state of Florida. Uh, you know, if you want to protest at the Capitol, if you want to protest at the Supreme Court, you want to protest in D.C., look, good for you. But going into neighborhoods and, and protesting at homes and being angry and aggressive and, and violent in nature, stepping in people's yards... That's not going to fly. It shouldn't fly. It shouldn't be allowed. And, and uh, the administration should be calling that out. Republican, Democrat, I don't care, should be called out and we should be held to a better and higher standard. But it appears that that's the only opinion that's been circulated. Now, that to me is a a good thing and that we don't have, or it doesn't appear as if the liberal justices have circulated one yet, that means they're probably still crafting something uh, in opposition to the majority decision. Now, what I believe, I believe Justice Roberts uh, is going to write a solo opinion. I, I don't think he's going to side with the liberals or the conservatives. I think he'll be somewhere in the middle. There was a time where I thought, well, maybe he'll just side. If he's not the deciding vote... Maybe he'll decide with the conservative opinion, the majority opinion, because he won't be considered the deciding vote. But I don't think that's where he's going to be. I think he'll, he'll do his own opinion and try to be more centrist and, hey, let's uphold the 15 week ban, uh, but, but keep Roe intact other than that. Uh, but that's, that's where Alito's opinion matters. Alito said in his opinion, at least if the draft is is correct, and, and we know it's been confirmed by the Supreme Court that it's at least an accurate draft. Alito said, y'all gave us no choice. Those arguing against the Mississippi law said you have to uphold Roe in its entirety or throw it out in its entirety. And those arguing in favor of the Mississippi law said you have to uphold Roe in its entirety or throw it out in its entirety. And so Alito is saying, you gave us no gray area. There is no middle ground here. It's either we, we go all in with Roe or we overturn Roe and go all in with that. And and then Alito goes further to break down why he believes Stare Decisi doesn't play here. He breaks down further why he believes and, and the court believes that Roe was a nonsensical, wrongheaded decision in 1973. Legal scholars on both sides of the aisle have said that for decades. And so the question now is, when will we get the official decision? When will we get it? We don't know. Will that come in the next couple weeks? Will that come at the end of June? Again, I think it's going to be one of the last ones they release. But this is all positive news. We're moving in the right direction. Uh, be calm. Be prepared. Yeah, things are going to get a little murky. Things are going to get a little rough. If you find yourself in a situation where you're at Market Square out and about and there's protesters yelling obscenities and, and trying to make people uncomfortable and getting people's faces, here's my suggestion. Remove yourself from that situation. That is not the time to debate. Look, you know, on Saturday I was like, oh, maybe this is the maybe this is my moment. No, the best thing for me and my family in that moment was to not go to Market Square, because those people, uh, again, I said it last week, it would be like beating your head up against a brick wall. There's no sense in engaging in that nonsense. If we want to have a one-on-one dialogue, we can. But if you find yourself in those situations, just remove yourself, remove your family. And go enjoy your day. Do not let them ruin what you want to do. Because the reality is, as I said, as they were yelling obscenities in Market Square, there was a group of folks at Hope Resource Center wrapping gifts. Which group do you want to be a part of? Yelling obscenities and ruining everybody Saturday are coming together and and celebrating life and loving on people. That is what we have been called to do. Let's do that. We'll talk to you next week.